I don't hear back. And I, I get scarce in that moment. Have I lost him? Is he busy? Is he still interested? So there's a lot of that song and dance I feel that we've been going through the last several months. And so I won't hear from him for a month or two and then he responds and I have renewed hope. That's Brandon Root, VP of Retirement Plan Services and Senior Investment Advisor at Donaldson Capital Management. In this episode, you'll hear me take Brandon through an active deal dissection. This is an exercise we regularly do with our clients to help them evaluate how they show up in their conversations. Through this process, we'll uncover how to navigate future interactions and identify how we can continue to help the prospects debate change. Along the way, Dan shares insight into how Brandon's mindset impacted his performance. I'm Kylie Schmitz. I'm Dan Lappin, and this is Breaking Sales, a nonconformist take on rejecting the sales status quo. Join the Lappin 180 team as we break the tried and died sales tactics and techniques that are failing you and your prospects. All right, Brandon, let's dig into this prospect conversation. How did you get this meeting? Give us a little background on the prospect that you actually met with and how you got there in the first place. I engaged my highest, largest client in a very comprehensive financial plan. He was pretty excited about the end result. As it turned out, had a peer at work that was looking for an advisor potentially, and he shared my information. So he had reached out to me and said, hey, I've got a, a coworker that would be interested in talking to you. I had reached out via email, trying to set up a call and was able to secure a phone call. At the time, thought I had an hour to, to maybe present who I was, who DCM is, how we take care of people or try to, and went from there. Talk to me about where your head was at prior to starting this conversation. You got the meeting, you have it scheduled for an hour. Where's your head at? Well, to be candid, I was excited about a pretty large prospective opportunity. There was a lot of nerves. I want to reflect well on the referral that was made from my client. And again, a lot of maybe some anxiety with making sure that any feedback that went from the prospect to the client was positive and reflected on that referral. Now, this might be speculative, but put yourself in this prospect's shoes. How do you think your prospect was feeling? I'm not quite sure if the prospect might've felt an obligation because a coworker, a friend, a trusted confidant made the referral or what the level of interest might've been in engaging our services. Okay, meeting has begun. How did you kick off the conversation? We'll go through the pleasantries of making an introduction, trying to find a way to connect, make a connection as quickly as I can to build rapport. Very quickly, this prospect said, by the way, I know we scheduled an hour, but I've only got 15 minutes today. And I think at the time I heard that, my head went into a tailspin of a bunch of emotions, anxiety, fear, concern, trying to figure out, oh my gosh, I have this agenda I had perfectly mapped out. And all of a sudden that's thrown out the window. How do I course correct, so to speak, from here? Also knowing that I actually am live with this person who I know is very busy, a high-level executive at a, a big company, just to have time on the calendar. I've made it that far, so I didn't want to miss that opportunity. And so I, in my mind, try to condense everything that I had planned for. How do I prioritize that in 15 minutes to make the most meaningful impact I could? Just a background detail that I know about this story is that Mike Hall, the president of DCM, was also in this conversation with you. That's right. 
So you're also managing two people on your team looking at each other. Oh, shit. What do we do now? On top of that, this is June 2020. So at that time, we're just getting used to Zoom meetings. So we're not even in the same place. I think in person, you got nonverbal. You can coordinate things like this. But when you're on a screen and you're all looking at each other, and we had no way of really communicating without being in front of the client, the prospect, definitely a lot of nerves and angst went into that moment because he and I are tap dancing. About how do we handle this? Him respecting the fact this was my prospect, me trying to respect the prospect that wanted to meet the, our president. So a lot of time was wasted in my mind. Like we're wasting precious seconds right now trying to figure out how to kick off. How did you guys respond? I try to grab the wheel again and say, appreciate the 15 minutes. Mike is here. Let's allow him to share a little bit about the company and who we are, what we do, a little bit of the history of how we take care of people and uh, start there. What did you learn about the prospect in maybe the few minutes that you had? To be frank about it, virtually nothing. In my mind, it was how do I cast value and, and, and project a value or service here that would interest or entice to schedule a second meeting, to want to learn more, to know more about who we are. So I didn't learn hardly anything about the prospect. What challenges did that present for you? Because you didn't learn anything. Ultimately, in a meeting, I want to find what I call pinch points. I want to identify why have they agreed to the meeting? We're all busy people. So what has literally brought them to the table to have the conversation? What's driving that? And so I wanted to uncover that to learn more about his scenario and situation and to really identify if we would be a good fit. Did you ask that question during the meeting? I may have very briefly. He was evaluating advisors, was thinking about maybe retiring, wasn't sure, but that's as far as I got. So it sounds like he's got a lot of decisions ahead of him he's got to make. Do you think you guys helped him make any of those decisions in that conversation? No. Why not? We didn't really inquire. We didn't get to that level in the conversation. Again, thinking we had 15 minutes. So it didn't kick into what normally I probably would have gone into more of a, an exploratory question asking and trying to position, figure out, again, those pinch points to identify how can I position ourselves to address those and maybe meet those potential needs. But we never got that far in the conversation. So let's think about this. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being I don't need to do anything different. I'm great where I'm at to 10 being I need to make a change yesterday. Where do you think this prospect fell on this change scale? Two or three. So really didn't have a sense of urgency, just a real preliminary exploratory discussion. So nothing's on fire. He can really take his time in this process to deliberate his best choices. How did this meeting end? Fortunately, the meeting did extend past the 15 minutes. I did feel like we were building some rapport. And my goal the whole time was really, I just want to get past this into another meeting. So the, the follow-up was, I'm liking what I'm hearing. Send me an email, reach out to me in a month or so, and let's schedule a follow-up where we can go in a little bit more detail. Do you know what specifically he liked about what he was hearing? What he said was a lot of the other firms that he had spoken with or had experience with all kind of sounded the same. And he felt what little he heard from us, he felt sounded a little bit different. Our story, how we actually manage investments in what we think is our core differentiator sounded a little bit unique to him. And so he was interested in hearing more. Did he share anything specific about 
what exactly was unique about the process or the strategy or your approach or the story? The thing he mentioned was how we actually manage investments, how we build or construct a portfolio for a retiree. Given the fact he was considering retirement, the fact that we specified on being retirement advisors, I think really struck a chord. We build retirement portfolios. He's considering retirement. How do you do that? What do you actually do? That's where the second meeting got to is more that detail. Okay. So he was interested in another conversation to learn more about what that retirement plan could look like. Exactly. So what was the plan from there? He had asked for me to summarize the call in an email, some of the high points, key takeaways and to reach back out in a couple of weeks to set up the next meeting to learn a little bit more. So you send him a summary email of how you think the meeting went or what the high points were from the conversation from your perspective, right? Ask him for another conversation. Here's some dates. Does he respond? No. Then what happened? So about a month goes by, then I follow up again. It's just a, a reminder of, hey, we talked about setting a meeting up this month. Are you free? When, when can we get together? And he did respond with some times. Okay. So you got the next meeting. We're in the second meeting. That meeting is secured. How'd you prepare for this second conversation? Definitely took the agenda I had for the first conversation and, and kind of reworked it a little bit, but ultimately went in with the same mindset of, I want to uncover ultimately to gather information from this prospect, what's his situation? What are the pinch points that he's facing? What are the timelines he's under? What does he have to work with? And try to build and construct a picture of where is he at in life and, and what needs uh, is he looking for? How did that conversation kick off? That kicked off. I, I feel a lot more comfortable with that one, given that he had given permission for the one hour. He had the one hour. I did check at, at the onset of the meeting we scheduled an hour. Are we still okay for this meeting? He agreed to the time that he was free for that meeting. So I was able to start exploratory discussions, sort of some data gather, fact gathering, if you will, asking questions, trying to understand what his situation was in his scenario. What did you learn about what he was looking for? I learned that he had realized that he had come into a great sum of wealth and didn't feel like he had an organized plan. Hadn't had an advisor per se, and more or less just felt that his financial house was in disorder. And so he felt as though meeting with an advisor could maybe help him build a plan, organize his financial estate. So more or less, I was able to identify there was a need there, an unmet need, but he just didn't have that sense of urgency. So still kept it really high level, exploratory. And that's where at the time I felt like, let me show you an example portfolio of how we take care of somebody or let me show or explain our process of how we build portfolios for our clients. And so I got into, let me try to demonstrate the value that I believe we can add and meet these unmet needs for you. Did he share any information with you around why he hadn't done anything about this until this point? A little bit, more or less. His kind of comment to me was he had been through a couple acquisitions and came into some of these stock options that had performed well and not like an overnight, but in the last maybe five, 10 years really came into significant wealth. And because he's been busy working and everything, grinding, hadn't really kept up with it or, or applied attention to that he felt was necessary, realizing where his estate was at that time. Why does he feel like now is the right time? 
Turning almost 60, I think we find with a lot of prospects, as you get to 60, the retirement light at the tunnel starts to get a little bit brighter. And I think he was in a situation of, I want to enjoy life a little bit more. I want to slow down. I'm working a lot, but have no idea if what I have can help meet those needs. And so wanting to understand more or less if he was retirement ready, as we would call it. Did you uncover anything that would prevent him from jumping on board when working with an advisor? No. So there could be some sort of hesitation or risk on his mind that wasn't brought to the surface. Is that fair to say? I would think so. How did that meeting end? Meeting ended with, he liked what he heard, wanted to learn more. He asked for me to summarize the meeting again, but more into a proposal. What would you charge for the services? More specifically, what would you do if I move some money your direction? What would be next steps? And so I put together a proposal, sent that to him, outlined what next steps would be. Do you think he has conviction that he needs those next steps? In hindsight, no. So Brandon, as I've listened, kudos for getting the meeting, number one. And I have no doubt in listening that you prepared. You put a lot of time and effort making sure you were ready for the first conversation. Did you ever determine why he took the meeting? No, I mean, I never asked for clarity there. So I think for our listeners, and I've been down this road too, when we get a referral, I think it's really important that we understand how does the other person, in this case, the prospect, feel about the referral. We've all gotten them. I've gotten many in my career. By understanding, we can say to that prospect, hey, I know so-and-so put us together. That's great. I also understand that sometimes these referrals happen out of respect or obligation. And I don't know right now, Mr. Prospect, if you're sitting with me out of respect for the referral or out of obligation. Could there be a little bit of that in play? It definitely felt like the elephant in the room mentioning that to me, so I didn't address it, but there probably was some mutual respect for my client, their professional relationship to at least give me a phone call. At the end of the first meeting, what did he ask you to do? He asked me to summarize the key takeaways and email to him. So at that point, you're summarizing what you think the key points and takeaways were, but we really don't know if he feels and thinks the same way. How would you like to handle that different next time? Instead of me and my mind just going immediately to what my takeaways were, I would ask the question, what do you see as the key takeaways or what would you like to see in the summary? Yeah, I think that's well done. I think you put it back on him. After all, it's what he thinks that matters the most anyways. And by asking him, it does give you a little insight on where's his head and what matters. That's right. Good takeaway there. Good adjustment. I like that. As I was listening, it sounded as if there was some commentary on he doesn't feel that his financial house was in order. Did you get a chance to ask him for examples? of why he felt that way. I did. And so we got into that a little bit where he had real estate in different places. He had money in different accounts or different institutions sprinkled around a lot of different places, but nothing really was organized. A third of his wealth was tied up in his company and he felt like that was a significant risk to him if something were to happen. So he just felt as though he needed somebody to help him sort out his financial estate. Sorting out his financial estate. Did you get a chance to ask him, in his mind, what should that look and feel like? And how does that help him 
a year or three or five years down the road? Where I took the conversation and, and really where we approach it is if you're thinking about retiring, you're turning off your income spigot from your job. How are you going to make ends meet in retirement? So the way that I phrased the conversation was, how are we going to organize this in a way that's going to produce a stream of income for you to live off of and sustain you throughout your retirement years? Well, let's play that out here just for some fun, okay? You're him, now you in that meeting, okay? I want you to answer how you think he would answer or how he did answer in this role play. So you're talking to him and he's talking about financial house in order. And I'm you, I would say, okay, Brandon, can you share a little bit on... What does financial house in order look like to you? I've got different real estate properties, thinking about selling one, not sure to do with the proceeds. I've got money wrapped up in my, my company. If I retire, do I leave it there? Do I not? I have several different accounts sprinkled across different advisors and different institutions, not really sure what it's doing for me and just feeling like I need a game plan for, for retirement to feel like I can retire. Do I have a game plan in place to do so? Without a game plan right now, Brandon, could you still retire? I think so. I have enough wealth more than meets my needs. Sounds like you do. So why do you need the game plan then? More or less, I've never taken the time to sit and look at what I have. And before I make a, a big decision like retiring my job, I'd want to make sure that this money would sustain me and my family through the rest of my retirement years. Okay. So what does sustain look like? I'm expecting X amount of dollars of annual income to meet my lifestyle, the things that my family and I like to do with travel, to upkeep our homes that we have, uh, gifting that I have uh, aspirations to do. I'd want to make sure that I'm not drawing down on my estate, my assets, and that I would have an annual flow of income that would meet our needs. So is that like a study or a plan that you would want to see on paper that shows you all that? Sure. Uh, no, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is that kind of what you were thinking? I or think are you thinking so. something different? I think that's what, something I want to see that plan projected out. What would be the key components of that plan that would tell you that plan would work for you? Ultimately, looking at what I have in place and then what would I actually do? Where would the income come from? And how would I take what I have today and turn that into a sustainable income stream for me? Would you make decisions off of that? I think so. What decisions do you think you'd make? So I'll stop. In this role play, what are we trying to do? What are we trying to help the prospect with? To recognize there's a need. And whose words are we trying to help the prospect come up with and determine? In his own. Did that happen in this conversation? No. It was more or less me telling him what I think he needs. And we're not saying that you were incorrect. You're probably spot on, Brandon. But the challenge is he's human. He's got to come to the conclusions and the definitions and the conviction on his own. So if you could get the time back with him, what would you do at this point? I think along the lines of what you shared there is ultimately phrasing it through question asking, through helping him go through a process of discovery of really what is he after? What is he truly seeking? And then in a, in a sense, trying to frame it in a way where he recognizes the need that he has and just to help him crystallize that in his mind. Right. It's got to be his words. Again, I have no doubt you're spot on with what you're trying to advise him on, but he's got to get there through his own thinking and through his own words. 
Because at the end of the day, he's the one that determines value. You know, you got thrown some curveballs on this one that affected the mindset of scarcity and maybe attachment and low intent. Just in your own opinion, how do you think they played out in the conversation? I feel throughout the whole duration of this prospecting relationship, it's played out where I've never felt comfortable and since still vying for that, trying to demonstrate value that I can offer to try to really to get him to feel and see the value that I could offer through my expertise. The scarcity is such that I want to get that affirmation. I'm sending a summary of an email of a proposal and I don't hear back. And I, I get scarce in that moment. Have I lost him? Is he busy? Is he still interested? So there's a lot of that song and dance I feel that we've been going through the last several months. And so I won't hear from him for a month or two and then he responds and I have renewed hope. And so certainly uh, attached to seeking that affirmation of responding to you know an email or a text or whatever, trying to secure that next meeting, trying to obviously secure the relationship as a whole. Do you feel that the scarcity, low intent and attachment has led to the outcome of you chasing? 100%. I feel that the mindset that I've been in through the scarcity and the attachment has put me into a mindset where, or a place now where I feel like I'm just chasing this prospect. So after all this, Brandon, what conclusions do you make now? Where does that place you at this moment in time? I feel like I'm between a rock and a hard place, this dilemma of he said he wanted to move forward a couple months ago, but he hasn't responded to the last couple outreach attempts. And so I find myself in a position now where I feel like I'm just chasing the prospect. So moving forward, Brandon, what are some of the lessons learned here? There's quite a few. Certainly the mindset of scarcity and attachment uh, was certainly at play this whole time. And so trying to come from a place where I'm detached for the, from the result and really ultimately seeking what is in this, this person's best interest, not what's in mine, are probably two of the major takeaways I could take away. Thanks for listening to Breaking Sales. If you want to get engaged with us outside of this podcast, be sure to go to our website, lappin180.com. That's L-A-P-P-I-N 180.com. And there you'll find information on upcoming workshops, different events we're doing throughout the United States, ways to engage with us on social media, as well as a form where you can suggest topics or guests for the podcast. We want to hear from you, so don't be shy. Kylie out. All right. Do we have another episode? <laughs>